What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Hey, What You Watching, the weekly podcast where Marcelo Pico and I discuss the films we've been watching. This is episode 80, Podcast Goes West, and I'm your host, Matt Curione, and with me as usual is... Hey, it's your co-host, Marcelo Pico. How you doing, Matt? Great! I've missed you! Have you? We, it's, we haven't talked in like two weeks. I mean, um, we talk on Slack all the time, but it's not like I get to hear your voice every day. Those lovely, my voice dulcet tones. Isn't that great? I just spent the... I like uh, your voice. I spent the evening listening to about three hours worth of my voice uh, editing the last two podcasts. And uh, no, it's not, it's not good. No. <laughs> no. I think it's fine. No. You're, you have a much better radio voice than Dude. me. Thanks. And, and I guess <laughs> I've heard I've heard people uh, compliment it as well. So, oh. c- congratulations, Matt! I would like to meet to these people. <laughs> you were born to do this. I was not. All right, I'm more of an ideas man. Okay, so you're like can... the podcast guy. No, you <laughs> well, are. I'm not. I'm not good. This has been said on the podcast before. I'm not good at this. You are. But... Like I've met, I met you through a podcast. Like this is how well, yeah. I know you. Like. Marcelo without a podcast is like a dog without feet. Well, it's we can just, talk. To, just sad. We can talk about that later when the, I decide the, to the footless leave, dog. When I decide to leave the podcast game, but <laughs> more on that later, folks. Oh God! But no, but no. Like I, I think like I mean, right now, I mean, Matt, you and I can say we we won't say what it is, but we're planning a new podcast. Yes. Oh my God! Yes. And I'm excited about that. I'm excited about getting it together. But I'll just say for that, I'm not going to be a big part of it on mic as you'll, I am. Like, you'll be on, on a few episodes here and there. I'll be on. I'll say this. I'll be on a few episodes, and I'll like produce the thing. I'll make sure all the guests are lined up and the schedules, you make know, some, are correct. Some good music choices. I'm sure. Exactly. I'll do everything there. And and this is kind of um, a a an idea that came from the Soderberg podcast. And my co-host on that said, "Hey, you know, uh, why don't you Magic Mike Double XL a podcast?" And I go, "Okay, I'll do that." I'll be like the behind the scenes guy. I won't, you know, be up front. I'll just be like Silverberg on Double XL. You'll just you know. give me notes. <laughs> Basically. Be prepared for many notes on oh, this boy. Next, uh, next podcast adventure we're on. But no. Oh, I, can't, I can't wait to get a note every week that says, wrap it up, keep it quick, wrap it up, keep it quick. <laughs> If I, if I have one complaint throughout you know this this podcast thing I've been doing is to keep it short. That yeah. complaint to me. All right, I have to keep these episodes short. So we try. Well, it's it's we for your own best. sanity. Uh, actually, the not not the past episode, which is which was the Pat Healy episode, and hey, that was a great episode. Uh, happy to have him back on the so much podcast fun. network. First time on the Haycast. Um, that was a great episode. That was under. Than Dunkirk runtime, which was great. That's what and we aim for. The episode before that was one second under the Dunkirk runtime, and that, that was, was the, like that was, that was the like almost episode. on purpose. Yeah, it was the Dunkirk episode. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, it was entirely <laughs> on purpose. I made sure it was one second. You You're know, good. Under, so I'm good. Anyway, so yes, we'll keep it short. You know, that's that's the one note I want to give us. You know, and I've been telling us, I've been telling you know you Matt, and I've been reminding the listeners. We'll, we'll, we'll try, okay. We're trying our you best. Know. We're trying our darndest. But I mean, we still have to, you know, bullshit at the beginning of the show. Talk about what garbage food we've been eating. 
Have you uh, eaten any like, garbage lately? Um, are Starburst candies considered garbage? Uh, it depends on what type of Starburst candies. Okay, they put out a limited edition. I don't know why they would do this limited, but they did all pink. So it's all what? the strawberry flavor. Okay, so your poop will be like bright green, so, so that's fine. Green green and pink? <laughs> I don't think that works. But uh, no, uh, they put them when out. When you eat like, blue or whatever, when you eat a strange color candy, for me anyway, your poop comes out like green. You should have that checked out. Are we are we uh, are we getting too personal on this? Is this no, but is this? I, I want to talk about the candy. Okay, let me talk about my poop some more. Okay, oh. so when I eat, <laughs> oh my god, no, it's my favorite flavor of Starburst, and they recently put them out in a limited edition, and I've bought out the stores that surround my house. No one has them anymore because I've purchased them all. I have a stack of about forty of them in my kitchen. What what is even the pink flavor? What strawberry. That? That's strawberry. Yeah. Okay. I mean, they um, make the ones that have all the red flavors, but then you get that shitty-ass fruit punch. No one wants that. I don't even... Like, they all taste the same to me, actually. Uh, no, they don't, because lemon is hot garbage, and no one likes the lemon Starburst. I actually, I think that's my favorite. I think Ew, lemon is who my are favorite. you? Yeah. Yeah, I love it. You're a monster. <laughs> I love it. I don't well, you also you also like pickles, so that's the thing. Uh, do, hey, during a movie. Limited, limited edition pickle-flavored Starburst... I would sign me up. I would jump buddy. off the highest roof I could find. I don't care what color poop I'd poop out. Well, it would be pickle colored. I'd 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 buy all the bags. This episode is terrible, by the way. I <laughs> never <laughs> wanted to. Over. I never wanted to get into scatological conversation, <laughs> but here we are. Oh, uh, anyway, um, I'm not cutting any of that out. Oh God, um, this is. <laughs> This is the follow-up to our Pat Healy episode. Yeah, to I all know. The listeners. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Everyone we, we gained from, from having the wonderful Pat Healy on is now <sighs> like, so what is this, really? Just the let poop? me just it's say, the poop let me cast? just say, I don't, I don't, Matt, you know, we, we've been doing this for 80 episodes. Yeah, okay. this is a good episode. It's episode 80. We hit another 10. Okay, you know me. I don't like to hit on potty humor. I don't ever do it. But for some reason, you eating, you know, nothing but pink, you know, well, pink like Starburst. I'm, like I'm eating nothing but pink Starburst. I'm eating actual <laughs> food as well. For for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, nothing no, but pink like, Starburst. Like my dinner tonight was amazing. It was actual food. It was great. Your poop has to be a strange color is all I'm saying. That's the first thing that came to mind, okay? Tonight I had some uh, delightful eggplant parm and some spaghetti, and it was great. Sprinkle some pink starburst on that, and you're no. All right, so apologies to our Pat Healy, uh, uh, the the listeners we gained through our Pat Healy episode. We are not normally like this. Uh, Usually, Matt eats like hamburgers that are disregard. (laughs) Disregard this. Uh, Hey, go to our Patreon. I always like to do this at the top of the show from now on because, you know, like I said before, sometimes our episodes are too long for people. Go to Patreon. Uh, I've been meaning to talk to you, Matt. We, we got to sit down and set a date for the next Haycast After Dark. Um, um, I know, I know yes. for personal reasons. I know for personal reasons you can't drink. You know, I cannot. We, yeah. So, well, like as soon as you can, yeah, we're in. Okay, <laughs> great. Not drinking for two weeks, and then I have to like down a whole bottle. That'll be safe. <laughs> I'll have the the remainder of my Sangani sixty three bottle at hand, and it'll be a good time. Ah, the soda booze. Yeah, uh, more on that on episode 28 of Soderbergh 2828. Hey, that's the last episode. That's the last episode for now. Anyway, uh, what else was I saying? Oh, yeah, Patreon, commentaries, uh, bonus articles, 
uh, Alex Miller's Filmstruck series. It's all there, so check it out. Why not support it's good us, time. support the writers? Yeah, support the writers, please. Give me a dollar. <laughs> anyway, okay. <laughs> any more any more BS you want to hit, Matt, before no, we... No, no. I mean... Like, what? What? Huh? Your, your, your life is going well, right? It's been like two weeks since we talked. You, yeah, okay. Yeah, my yeah. life's going great. It's been nothing but sunshine and rainbows on the personal front. Yeah, sure. Um, all things considered, you're yeah. doing okay, right? Sure. <laughs> Jeez, I can't even say that. Yeah, let's. Yeah, that's fine. Sure, <sighs> I'm. I'm great. I'm doing okay, uh, I, and we're, we're doing fine, folks. You're, okay? you're probably doing better than me. Dude. Possibly. <laughs> no, you definitely are. After the show, we'll we'll compare lives and see. Yeah. Know, okay. Where we're at, but okay. Hey, we're at least good enough here to record tonight. Okay. Yeah. So let's let's continue on to this episode, this Haycast episode eighty. Matt. Yeah. Here we go. It's time for this segment in which uh, we tease the listeners as to what we're, we'll be discussing on the show this week. Ah, yes, Matt's Riddle Corner, where I give cryptic clues about what films we'll be discussing. Okay, um, April Ludgate is doing something. I don't know any idea what that movie's about. Uh, there's a killer doll coming up next, and then there is a uh, giant building that holds the universe together, and it's it's a movie that happened. And then vampires attack Maine twice, and then an office building goes wild and crazy, and then some girls go wild and crazy, and then Meryl Streep goes wild and crazy, and then a group of four guys goes wild and crazy, and then Robert Pattinson goes wild and crazy, and then there's a sequel to a Stanley Kubrick movie, and then John Cusack is a, is a writer, twice. Hey. <laughs> that's, there, uh, that's a hell of a roundup right there. there a lot of wild and crazy. Wild and crazy. Uh, call this the Steve Martin episode. <laughs> Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd? I don't. I don't. It remember. was Steve Martin and Dan Aykroyd, two wild and crazy guys. Oh, okay. For some reason, I just thought of Steve Martin. I mean, not my favorite. Dan uh, not my favorite Dan Aykroyd character. That would probably be uh, Fred Garvin, male prostitute. Um, my my favorite Dan Aykroyd character is the one who sells the Bassomatic. Uh, what? The Bassomatic. What is that? He sells the Bassomatic Five Thousand. It's like a. It's a blender that. Just use you use it on fish. Oh no 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 no! Oh, that, okay. one. that one's good too. But the one I like is just as bizarre as that. Just as zany. <laughs> it, it's the it's the it's a character who sells alcohol in uh, alien glass heads. Uh, oh, you vodka. mean the real life Dan Aykroyd? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Wait, that's not a character. <laughs> no. <laughs> He's okay. Let's move on. Um, hey, Matt. Yes. You know. We went from Pat Healy last week, and we're going to our guest this week. Yes, we have another guest um, this week. Look at us yes. with the guests. <laughs> uh, why don't you do me and the listeners a favor and, and introduce the guest this week? Well, this week we have a pretty awesome guy. He is a senior columnist over at the Daily Dead News, and he hosts a podcast called Corpse Club. He is Scott Drebin. Gentlemen. Is it safe to come on now? It is. <laughs> yes, it's safe. Welcome. Yeah. Can, should I throw my two cents worth of poo against the wall? Or <laughs> <laughs> I would just say, if I may add, I would just say this. Uh, stay away from blue cupcakes. Uh, oh. Blue cupcakes. Oh. Otherwise, you're I, calling the doctor next day in a panic, wondering <laughs> what the hell's going on. I didn't even know that was a flavor. <laughs> it's not a good look. 
Oof. See, not to dive back into it, but I'm telling you, if you the the artificial flavoring of some of these things, it's just uh, it's yeah. not good for you. Um, well, it just yeah, you you think you're you have blood in your stool, but it's just like you know blue food coloring. Anyway, it, exactly. We've all been there. Um, hey, thanks for thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, no problem, man. <laughs> welcome to the poop episode. This oh, is now poopcast. Poop no, welcome, welcome to the poopcast. I hate this. Scott. Tell us about the last time you pooped. No. Oh. No. Here we go. The Sit sensors are in. Can relax. The FCC just yelled at me. They said no more poop talk. <laughs> okay, fine. Let's talk. Let's stop the poop talk. All uh, right then. Let's go back to movies, I guess. Uh, yeah, sure. Matt, why don't we get to know our guest Scott? Ah, yes. A little um, bit. A little segment I like to call "Get to Know Ya," where we get to know our guest, make sure they're a real human being and not some robot sent from the future. Scott, are you ready to be gotten to known? Press one. <laughs> All right. I ask this of everyone, but what is the first movie you remember seeing in a theater? The first movie was Burnt Offerings. I was six years old, and my mom took me to see it. Oh, wow. Um, I've yeah. heard of this. Uh, tell me a little about it. Burnt Offerings uh, was a movie made in 1976 by Dan Curtis, of course, from Dark Shadows fame, and it starred Oliver Reed and Karen Black and Betty Davis, uh, with Anthony James as the most evil uh, chauffeur ever put onto film. But it's it's based on the book by Robert Morasco, and it's about a family that takes over a an estate for the summer. They get super cheap, $900 for the whole summer, and the only condition by the Allardyce family, which is the one who owns the house, is that they have to look after their the Allardyce's mother, who lives in the upstairs room. Interesting. Uh, she, never, she never comes out of her room. Uh, you just leave a food tray three times a day in her sitting area, and she will eat it. <laughs> and, and she won't be any problem whatsoever. Now, the big thing about the uh, movie and about the book that I find really interesting is that it is not a haunted house story per se, but rather it's about a house that is alive. And the longer the family is there, the longer uh, the house regenerates itself. Because when they get there at the start of the summer, the house is very, the mansion is run down. And it's the same uh, mansion, by the way, used in Phantasm, the uh, Dunsmere estate. Oh, Awesome. Yeah, so it's very run down at the beginning and all the flowers are dead and as the family lives there longer and longer, the uh, mother played by Karen uh, Black, love her. Uh, she becomes obsessed uh, with uh, looking after the house. She feels she has to look after the house and the house starts to regenerate itself. The flowers start to bloom. Stuff, uh, you know, becomes clean. The pool, which Oliver Reed and his son were working on, all of a sudden, um, you know... Uh, is crystal clear and everything starts to regenerate and it's just an absolutely fascinating take uh, on a haunted house um, uh, film and I absolutely adore it I still watch it at least once a year to this Damn. day yeah I need to check this out I just looked it up it's uh, currently streaming on Amazon Prime so if any listeners have that check it out I just added it to my watch list ooh yeah, I have to check this, this out this sounds wild and Jesus, what a follow-up to Nashville for Karen Black, huh? 
<laughs> well, you know, this and when she got in with Dan Curtis, uh, the she year did, before uh, doing yeah, she, Trilogy looked, of Terror. Yeah, I looked this up. Right? She did Nashville, yeah. and then she did Hitchcock's Family Plot, and then Burnt Offering. So, goddamn. Yeah. But the, the, uh, the Trilogy of Terror that she did with Dan Curtis on TV, it really kind of... She almost resented it later on because it kind of pigeonholed her in into horror. Horror, yeah. And and while she did enjoy, you know, some of the roles like this one and 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 Trilogy of Terror and a couple others, I think she felt that she ended up getting pigeonholed uh, because of like typecast, of yeah, but, yeah. And but you know that's okay, whatever. She she left us with a lot of great uh, roles, and this is this is definitely peak. Uh, peak Black and Peak uh, Oliver Reed, who is one of my all-time favorite character actors. Yeah, he's wonderful. I love him. Uh, I absolutely love him. So it's a good one. Oh, and Burgess Meredith is also in it because it was 1976, and he had to be in every movie. Okay, so. I need to see this. <laughs> uh, Marcella, do you have a question? <clears throat> yes, uh, this is one I always think of on the spots. Uh, how about this, Scott? Um... Uh, name a movie, or more specifically, like a scene in which you are, you know, speaking of scatological things, uh, um, one one that just you know grosses you out, you know, either good or bad way. Maybe you had to turn your 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 eyes away from it. Um, I can think of one. Uh, I can I can answer after you answer, Scott. But yeah, I gotta, um, I, gotta I gotta think of one. <laughs> Yeah, uh, one immediately came to mind as I thought about it, and I'm getting kind of sick just thinking about it too. Um, but yeah, Scott, how about that? A a moment or a film overall that kind of really, really, really grossed you out? Uh, you know, oh god, as far as like horror goes, uh, you know, I started I started young, so I'm not sure if there's anything in horror that's really grossed me out, unless it was, uh, for instance, Cannibal Holocaust with actual uh, animal. Uh, oh killings, yeah, no. which is that's that's why I've never like seen I, that movie. <laughs> you know what? It's if you took out those the actual uh, animal killings, it's actually a pretty potent movie. But those are mm, yeah, that's unnecessary. So if I was to get away from horror, I think uh, the uh, the beans above the Frank scene and there's something about Mary <laughs> gets, me, gets me every time because they just give you a glimpse. They just give you enough. To kind of know what's going on, but your brain doesn't want to process it. If if you're a guy, your brain just does not want to go where they went. Uh, so that one always kind of uh, makes me squirm. I mean, if you went back to horror, you could look at, you know, I spit on your grave, the the bathtub scene, uh, things like that. But I saw again, I saw a spit on your grave when I was young, and I don't. I think I saw it when I was like ten or eleven. So oh wow, that really didn't. It didn't. Uh, as I was just coming into adolescence, it didn't really click with me uh, the severity of of the situation. So, as far as horror goes, there's nothing really. I'm currently trying to work my way through Kuso on uh, Shutter. Oh, tried two times. It's rough. Well, you know, it's it's uh, you have to be in a real specific headspace. I can imagine. To, you have to be in a, on a real specific wavelength to to get what they're going for. I it's a movie I can appreciate, and it's not. I haven't seen anything in it. I'm about halfway through, and there's nothing in it that's grosser than anything really. I think that we wouldn't see like in a Cronenberg movie or or something like that. But it's just the tone is really yeah. It's really fucking weird. 
and you have to be zoned in completely to it. So I'm going to go comedy, Beans Above the Franks, uh, something about Mary. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, just thinking about that scene and something about Mary. Oof. Uh, that one stuck with me. Um, <laughs> what about you, Matt? I have two. Uh, One is a very recent one that I watched, uh, 127 Hours When That Happens. When he, you know, chops his arm off. Yeah, because I don't... uh, That that was too real for me. I didn't care for that. And the other is Antichrist. Most of it. (laughs) Um, I I still have pain flashbacks to Antichrist, where, like, I'll remember a scene from that, and I'll be like, oh, oh. Yeah, that... Oof. that's, That's a movie. You know what? I would even, I would even, if I may, I would even change my answer because there's one that truly disturbs me, but it's not graphic, but it disturbs me, and it's Saving Private Ryan, mm-hmm. and it's when Adam Goldberg is pinned down by the Nazi. Oh God! And yeah. he, you know where I'm going, mm-hmm. and he sticks the knife into his chest and he just goes. Yeah. Oof. I lose. I lose it because he is. Com- it's completely out of his control. And it's inevitable, and just the what the, the what the Nazi says to him, and the way it's done, it like it it has stayed with me. And if the movie ever comes on again, I I'm not kidding. And what we've watched like a million movies, and I've watched a million horror movies. I cannot watch that scene. It actually you skip the like, scene. Yeah, freaks me out. It freaks me out the way Spielberg uh, does it. It's just woo, forget it. Oh yeah. Uh, it's it's chilling. Um, it, uh, I remember the first time seeing it, uh, I was completely freaked out by it. <laughs> I was. Uh, hey, for me, I'm going to go something not as horrifying, but something completely disgusting for me. Let's go to Peter Jackson's Brain Dead. Um, yeah, every time I see this, I mean, I love it. I think it's my favorite Peter Jackson movie. Uh, one of my all-time favorite horror movies, but the scene have you have you seen this, Matt? Dead Alive. Yeah, yeah. Dead, dead Alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I I've, and, I own it. <laughs> yeah, and, and Scott, uh, I'm sure you, I'm sure you've seen it, right? Love it. That's a very yeah, out of print Blu-ray. <laughs> yeah, but the the scene when uh, the, the 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 pudding scene. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I think I almost gagged the first time I saw it. <laughs> And then what really stuck with me is I saw it at the Alamo Draft House. Oh, jeez, of course ago, you did. And there they served uh, during the movie uh, pudding. <laughs> and, Why wouldn't they? <laughs> Those jerks. Uh, but yeah, each time I see, it, I mean, the the ear falls in, and it's it, it's a testament to like the the practical effects. And ah, uh, yeah, it's I, even thinking about it just really creeps me out and makes me want to gag but yeah uh peter jackson back back in the you know in the in the early 90s his, his glory days um yeah a lot of it uh pretty sickening he kicked ass for the lord <laughs> yes he did uh but yes that's I, as much as i love dead alive though i still prefer meet the feebles meet because, the feebles yes. that's who i am <laughs> <laughs> okay. i love meet the feebles i showed it years ago i had a you know, I got I picked out a company from the back pages of Fangoria, and, um, and I ordered um, some bootleg videotapes. And one of them was the Beyond, the Japanese laser disc uh, okay. uh, bootleg on videotape, and the other one was uh, Meet the Feebles. <laughs> and I showed it for back then. I showed it for some family members, and I'm talking like not my 
No, my parents. I showed it for like brothers and cousins. Oh God! And they were sitting there going, "What the oh. fuck is this?" <laughs> oh, it's the guy and who I made go, Lord of the Rings. What the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> and this is way before Lord of. Yeah. Was, you know, this was only his second flick. So yeah. But they were like, "What is this?" And I go, "Well, it's it's the Muppets, but it isn't." Yeah. And it's it's. It, <laughs> You know, it's a whole. It's a the gross Muppets. It's a, it's a whole thing. Muppets. It's a whole thing. It's exactly. It's a whole thing. They did not get it, but I still think it's. Uh, oh, it's wonderful. It's inspired. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, bad, a bad taste is amazing. I need to I watch that. Taste. I need That's to see that too. I saw that in a, in a theater earlier this year, and oh boy, uh, that was my second time watching it. And that's another that has another scene that really grosses me out. When well, it's Peter it's Jackson, just, he's gross. Yeah, it's uh, there's it's like uh, seems like five you know long minutes of just vomit, uh, vomiting and eating vomit. So oh, fun. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds that sounds wonderful. It's amazing. But you know, though. it just sho- it just shows though with he had so little money. Yeah, and it has you know it has that low budget gritty look to it, but it's so well made. Oh yeah, like that the talent just pops off the screen, you know, and you could tell, and people were excited. I remember when they came out, it was like, what the hell is this thing? And it did create a buzz because they it, the the evidence was already there that he was such a talented filmmaker. Like it wasn't one of these. <laughs> Oh, you know, give him a few movies and he'll warm up to something really good. Like, there's promise there. It's like, no, no. Right he was like fully formed right off the bat. Yep. He just needed a little bit more cash to uh, to really get going. But, yeah, I love Bad Taste as well. well there you go. Um, hey, folks listening, see some early Peter Jackson. Okay, if you just know him just through Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit movies, no, you don't know him at all. Come no, on. Check out his run through uh, Meet the Feebles Through the Frighteners, please. Yeah, please. Uh, all right, Matt. Any more questions? No, I think uh, Scott's a real human. Okay. <laughs> all right. Nice silence there. I like that. I was waiting for you to go to the next segment. <laughs> Maybe you're so not. Was good I at supposed this. to say I am a human or I'm not a human? I am human. It's. I wanted. I wanted some dramatic tension. Right. No, there. you're you're a people's. Okay, fine. He's he, he's a piece of person. <laughs> All right, let's go to the next segment. Let's go to the movies in which we watched uh, last week or so. Uh, what's first? Hey, why don't we go west? As the as the title of this episode instructed us to do. Uh, Ingrid goes west. That's what I saw. That's what I'm trying to get at. It's it's been like a festival hit for over a year now. I think. Yeah. What is this and thing? What is it? Well. Aubrey Plaza plays Ingrid, a, okay. a a woman who you'll see in like the first minute of the movie. She has issues. Um, she is, uh, I guess, socially inept. Uh, she's addicted to her cell phone and social media. Um, she develops some bad habits there, uh, and when. Her mother passes away. She she uh, gets inherited some uh, some money, and she moves west. And there she meets uh, Elizabeth Olsen's character, who is an Instagram like celebrity, like you know, like those those people who just post things and you know get paid from sponsored posts on Instagram. She's that type of person, uh, Elizabeth Olsen. 
and Aubrey Plaza's character Ingrid, she is um, has an infatu- infatuation with uh, Olsen's character. She is obsessed. Uh, she follows her around town, and you know, kind of uh, weasels her way into her into her life, and becomes her her friend through false pretenses. And then things get even more creepy from there. So, yeah. So is it's it a, a mo- comedy or like a <laughs> oh, horror movie? Oh, it's whatever you want it to be. It. <laughs> this is a. Uh, okay. this, like, this is akin to uh, the King of Comedy. Uh, oh God. Okay. Yeah. So I'll say I, half of it. I'll say half of it is pretty damn hilarious. Uh, I should say. Um, I, I, I do have a couple questions, but go on. Uh, Oshaya Jackson. Jr. I was just going to ask, how is uh, Ice Cube Junior? He is. He. I think he may. Okay. Other than Aubrey Plaza, who delivers like her the best performance I've ever seen her in. Okay, she's incredible. Uh, other than her, like he is like the the. If it wasn't for him, this would be like a straight out drama. I think because huh. <laughs> he brings in some fantastic comedy beats. He has his crazy obsession with Batman and Batman Forever. In particular, um, yeah. <laughs> Why didn't you tell me that right off the bat? I would have seen this already. <laughs> like that cracks me up. Uh, and he he is like he is the best character in the movie. Like the one anybody can relate to. He's the most real character. Nice. And he becomes you know friends with Ingrid. But yeah, but but then as the movie progresses, like I was watching it in a theater, and halfway through. You know, everybody was like laughing, and you know, everybody was into it. And then, in the second half of the movie, things get a tad more serious. They get dark. And yeah, you know, you could hear a pin drop in a theater. Oh. And that's the type of, you know, tone shifts I like in this type of movie because it is scatterbrained, but I think entirely on purpose. It it is intended to make you laugh and squirm, and yeah, it uh, that ending. If you're a fan of like Taxi Driver, King of Comedy, like those those two movies in particular came to mind when I saw the ending of this. So. Oh, oh my! Yeah, um, it is. So it's I mean, Ingrid, I, Ingrid just laughing in her basement, talking to a cardboard cutout of Jerry Lewis. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, I don't wanna, I don't want to spoil it, but man, it <laughs> it's it's like a uh, it's like a spiritual sequel to those movies. Sandra so. Bernhard shows up for a little bit. So I I dig it I dig the movie uh, Aubrey Plaza I think she, she is the reason to see this she is she gives a fantastic performance it's hopefully like she this was, plays somewhere in my area That'd did you cool. have any more questions for me Matt no that was it I just want to know how Ice Cube Two is <laughs> he's great I want him to be like a huge star I'm sure he will be he will be like like um, straight out of Compton and this. He's, I, I, want him, I want him to be in more and more things. So, uh, yeah, it's. I think this is currently playing in limited theaters, and okay. I, when this podcast comes out, I think it's going to be expanding. So, okay, cool. Uh, and it's a neon release. The same people who released Colossal, so I'm sure it'll hit like Hulu in the next few months if you have Hulu. So, cool. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, man. Um, get ready for Ingrid Goes West, Matt. I don't think you're ready for it. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm really, no, I'm like I'm not being like I'm not joking. Okay. Like, I'm really looking forward to this movie. It is good. Um, I mean, uh, Scott, I mean, five minutes. You... I mean, five minutes ago, I knew, didn't know what the hell it was, but now I'm excited. Well, now you know. I mean, Scott, was this on your radar at all? 
not personally, but I've heard a lot of rumblings of, of it on social media, and the reviews have all been overwhelmingly uh, positive. So, yeah, that's definitely one that I want to check out as well. But as far as knowing anything uh, about it, I'm in the same boat. Before you started speaking, I really didn't know what uh, it was about, but I'm actually I'm a huge Aubrey Plaza fan, so I'm sure I'll be checking it out. Yeah, I, I haven't seen the, her show Allegion, which I I keep hearing she's amazing in. Uh, I mean, Scott, have you seen that yet? I haven't. No, and again, I've heard weird wackadoodle things about that too. That it's supposed to be pretty amazing. No, I I know her from uh, like a lot of people. I know her from uh, Parks and and Recreation. Yeah, so. Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> Uh, right, yeah, and Scott from, Pilgrim, yeah. and she was also supposed to be really good in, uh, is it called The Littlest Hours or The Little Hours? Uh, oh, I haven't seen oh the, the Nun yeah, movie. Just, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, she's supposed to be really good in that, too. So, yeah, I'll check that out for sure. Yeah, there you go. Um, so that's Ingrid Goes West. Uh, what's next, Matt? Well, if you would look at the schedule, you would see that Scott saw a movie about a, a doll that looks surprisingly creepy. Tell us about Annabelle Creation, Scott. I did, and it does look surprisingly creepy, and it is the sequel, of course, to the surprisingly uh, big hit uh, Annabelle, which I was not a fan of whatsoever, and this one was helmed by David Sandberg, who made the big surprise hit of last year, uh, Lights Out, which I actually did uh, quite enjoy Um, when I saw it in the theater. I quite enjoyed it. This I did not like uh, as much. I know it's getting a lot of uh, positive buzz uh, online, and it was a huge hit uh, last weekend at the box office. I think it brought in somewhere between thirty-five and forty million, which is wonderful wow. as a champion of horror. You know, I'm glad uh, any time horror uh, stays alive in the marketplace, and it's wonderful for the whole genre. Um, having said that, I was. It's not a bad movie. I was just really underwhelmed with it. I think I'm getting... It's part of the Conjuring uh, multiverse or universe. Whatever they're calling that, yeah. Whatever it is. <clears throat> it's part of that. Um, and I th- I think it's starting... The formula is starting to codify mm-hmm. a little bit. There's a lot of uh, jump scares, and they're all kind of set up uh, the same way, which is, you know, you have the... It's the John Carpenter Halloween prototype with the the heroine in the foreground and in the background something moves or something uh, slightly comes forward and there's lots of uh, door slammings and whatnot there are a few effective uh, moments in it but I was just it was kind of the sort the story structure was kind of me so it's essentially it's a prequel to Annabelle so it tells the story uh, about a doll maker played by Anthony La Paglia uh, who's very good in it, and him and his wife, their daughter gets run over by a car. Oh. Uh, they they keep uh, this doll. Uh, he stops making dolls, but they keep the one, the very first one that was for his daughter. Uh, and apparently, a spirit is possessing the doll. Twelve years later, uh, they him and his wife, and his wife is kind of uh, bedridden, and she doesn't get out, and she's kind of a bit of a her uh, rubber bands have snapped. Anyway, they take in a group of orphans um, led by a nun, played by uh, Stephanie Sigmund, who is she's really good. Um, and of course, weird shit starts to happen. And one of the girls, uh, played by Talitha Bateman, she was in uh, the Fifth Wave, a girl who has uh, 
in this she plays a girl with polio and she's kind of huh. apart from the other girls um she has some interactions with the doll and she becomes the protagonist of the piece um what i did find encouraging about it because i always try to look for the positive is i think sandberg is i think if he got away from this like i said formula that was kind of kind of codifying i think he's a good director i think his strength especially is in with the performances yeah uh bateman as the girl is fantastic she's great lapaglia is great the whole cast is is great uh there's another girl i forget her name but she plays um bateman's uh best friend in the show and she's great uh is she well. the is that the same little girl that was in the the ouija prequel yes okay cool because she looked really familiar she's all over the posters yes. for this movie i believe she is yeah and uh like i said he's he's great with actors and i think he's great and i think if if he got some material uh that kind of strayed away from this a little i understand why people are liking it it's um I don't want to say for people who don't go see a lot of horror because that's condescending uh, bullshit. A movie's a movie. It's mm. good. It's not good. I just found it a little too leaned on the formula, a little too much for me. But uh, Sandberg is definitely, I think, a director that's going to be around for a long time. And I do look forward to uh, to what he does next. Nice. Yeah, I still have to see uh, Lights Out that he did. I, I like light. I like lights out. It's uh, it's very it's very simple. It really has nothing to do. It has a little bit to do with the uh, the short, the two minute short that he yeah. uh, uh, created. Um, a lot of people had a problem with, and I'm not going to say what it is, but the the ending of of uh, lights out uh, is problematic for uh, a lot of people. That's what uh, I've heard. Yes. Yeah. But that's for everyone who sees it to decide on their own. It, uh, you know, it either stirs a reaction of two ways, and uh, I don't think either way is wrong. I think it's, you know, I don't think any reaction to a movie is wrong. Your reaction is your reaction. So I find uh, I really liked uh, Lights Out, and I really didn't have an issue with the ending. I know a lot of people did. Um, but yeah, I would recommend uh, Lights Out as well, and I would say to people, go see annabelle creation too it's it's uh if i'm doing a poster blurb it's you know it's not the worst thing i've seen this year so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hopefully it's at least better than the first one which i hear is just dreadful it is but that's you know that's kind of a um a bicycle wheel compared to a banana yeah. they're like totally different <laughs> uh things but there are some people now of course you get uh you're getting your your pieces uh defending um <laughs> defending the first one and there's some people who really enjoyed it i just i was not a fan of the of the first one at all it didn't do anything for me i think this one is this one has its moments and i was sitting beside a couple and um i don't think i think the young lady was of the she likes to go to the horror movies to get the jump scares and all that and yeah. it totally worked for her every beat that came it completely worked for, her. and I think that's great because that's what they're designing it to do. Um, I, there, for myself personally, like I said, there were a couple moments that did really work and pop out, uh, but there's only so many door slammings and uh, doll movings in the background that I can take when I, yeah. uh, without wanting 
a little bit more. Not a lot, but a little bit more to uh, hmm. to hold my attention. But there you go. Oh, I like yeah, creepy I'm, dolls. I'll see it one day. <laughs> yeah, it's I, like I said, it's not the worst you can do. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to pass on this one. <laughs> I, I've I've heard the 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 so so praise. Like even Sean on our site, Talk yeah. Society, gave it you know uh, a passing grade, not like enthusiastic you know uh, endorsement, but still like he he liked it enough. But I don't know. Like I I'm a fan of the Conjuring series. The first, I mean the the, the core movies. Okay, the Conjuring Prime. Team. Yeah, the Conjuring Prime. <laughs> But uh, I don't know, like, like, how far off can you go? Like, how many more side sequels are you going to make uh, from these? Well, the Warrens' little characters? little little office has a lot of little knickknacks that you could make movies out of. <laughs> <laughs> I, I honestly, I don't. It's not. You could make a movie out of anything, but make it entertaining. They could go on. I don't. I, you know, they're coming out with. Uh, they're already. I think it may already be filmed, or it's filming the one about the nun. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. Creepy, it was super creepy in, in Conjuring 2. Now, I have no opinion one way or another uh, about being excited by it. It was a cool character. Make a good movie. And then I'll, and then I'll be excited about it. Um, you know, I don't care what it's about. Just make it entertaining. Um, as far as the universe goes, this one, try, this one does manage to, you know, crawl its way back to um, the first movie. Uh, by the end of it, which was you know kind of cool, so they are trying to keep it keep a continuity uh, to it. But I, I just want to be entertained, and I, it could be about a killer pencil, and, and I don't care. But make yeah, it, I was going to uh, say like a killer paperclip. <laughs> <laughs> make it good. Just make it entertaining. Make it uh, worthwhile. I still think though that Sandberg is uh, this doesn't sour me whatsoever. To give an honest, you know, positive review spin on this, I would say this hasn't soured me on Sandberg uh, nice. whatsoever. It does show, you know, uh, he's getting more assured with each uh, one. Lights out has some really cool um, uh, scares in it, and this one, uh, the storytelling is more solid, and the the um, the performances again are just as strong as they were in the first movie, if not more so. And I think he just, the next time out, maybe a slightly different story where he can uh, stretch out a bit. But yeah, I'm, uh, I, think he's, uh, I think he's got the goods. Well, there you go. I, I still need to see Lights Out. So, uh, I, it's uh, on my shelf. <laughs> I'll catch up. And okay, sure, maybe I'll come, come around on this series. But, but yeah, um, I'm just tired of cinematic universes is all. Uh, hey, speaking of which... Yeah. The Dark Tower. I yeah. found out I found out that my local theater has $5 movie tickets on Sunday. That's The Dark Tower. All right, moving on. Same no. Okay. <laughs> no, but uh yeah, so uh I found out they had $5 tickets, so I was like, let's go see The Dark Tower. Uh I hear it's terrible. Let's go find out if it is. And I don't know, it's a nice way to spend 90 minutes in an air-conditioned room during the summer. It's uh For $5. It, yeah, it moves at a brisk pace. Uh, the action is, it, it, yeah. The action is good for the most part. Um, Idris Elba is awesome in it. Uh, Matthew McConaughey cooks a chicken for some reason. Um, yeah, it's fine. It's a dumb action movie where they shove seven or eight books into eighty minutes, and it shows. 
because, oh boy, they they shoved that fourth book into a two-minute sequence, and it is crazy. They tur- Yeah, they turned 500 pages into a, uh, like, three-minute sequence in this movie, and it's kind of mind-blowing that they're able to do that, because they clearly don't care. They, I don't think they ever had any intentions of making this into a uh, long-standing franchise, as, at least when this version got off the ground. Uh, it's the Dark Tower, everyone. It's not as bad as you've heard, but it's nowhere near being a good movie. Uh, there's another rest. poster blurb right yeah. there. <laughs> it's my my one my two word review is it's fine. We're getting on all the Blu-ray releases. I'm oh my you. god! Yeah, you could easily put Idris Elba is awesome on the cover. I'm sure they'd and use that's that. What, that's what they would, right? Yep. Uh, so you've read all the books? I've read the first four. And I read uh, the first three. Yeah, and that fourth book is what. Grind me, grind me to a halt because I kind of burned through them and I got, uh, I got just burnt out on them. Yeah, I got through three and and uh, I was enjoying them and then I just wasn't all of a sudden and like you said, it just could have been burnout. I was, yeah. uh, but the gunslinger is absolutely. Uh, oh, it's fantastic. terrific! I'm actually reading that right now. Yeah, no, it's. It's great. I haven't seen it yet. That's probably one. Um, wait you know, for Netflix in uh, wait yeah, for Netflix wait in about a week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wait till Netflix or even uh, rent it. Just because I'm very, I love Idris Elba, and I when I heard he was going to be the gunslinger, I thought, yes, that sounds appropriate and right, and he's amazing. So, and it's such a shame. Alone, it's yeah. such a shame that his good he has a good performance as Roland, but. It's wasted in this movie. It's just such a rushed, rushed beast that I I don't know. It's got studio notes like written all over it, and you can tell just by the first five minutes. <laughs> now, are they planning on expanding it into? I don't wasn't know. there talk about it moving into a, if it if it did well, maybe moving it into uh, TV. There was supposed there to was be talk at one point, right? Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's this thing's a mess. But hey, uh, if you up, want some air conditioning, go check it out. For up $5. until <laughs> um, up until a week before it was released, they were saying, "Oh, the TV series is well underway." So, um, yeah, we'll yeah, hey, it was the number one movie in America with nineteen million dollars. <laughs> Jesus, uh, I, I'd like to dedicate this podcast to uh, Rocky Juarez, who died after seeing The Dark Tower. Oh, bless you. Oh. That was yeah. rough. Yeah, um, was, his reactions were rough to it. Oh, I yeah, feel for him. I because he he has read all the books. He's a huge fan. He's been hyped about yeah. the movie itself for you know years. ever since it was announced for years. And yeah, I I uh, I feel bad. Check out, check out the review on Talk from Society. Um, yeah. I was the one who uh, edited it, and uh, it was painful for me to read and to yeah. release because <laughs> man, his letdown really, was real. He really, really did not like it. So yeah, I mean, I, oh well. I mean, I've said this before, but like, if you're a huge fan of the books, you're not going to like this. But if you know nothing about the books, you'll have a decent time watching an action movie. I try uh, years ago. I I remember reading um, Christine. Oh, and and they were already making they were making the movie off of the galleys of uh, of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's you know he was he had a license to print paper, uh, King, and of course oh, yeah. still now there's the King of Sons, 
always seems to be floating through the air. But I remember reading that book and absolutely loving it. And then, you know, my favorite director uh, at that point, you know, was going to be making a film version of it. And it came out shortly after or it may even came out very close to when shortly after the book came out. And I rushed to the theater and I saw it and I thought, that's not the book. You know, because it's yeah. so easy to get into that. We've all done it, and 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 we and we do still to a certain degree. We fall into that mentality of, well, that's not the book. Well, it was at that. It was after that point that I tried to, and it's it's not always possible to do a complete separation. But you try to I remove tried yourself. To, yeah, you tried to separate it from, and then years later, I watch Christine again and go, well, that's just a fun ass movie. I don't care yeah. if it's. It's like the book. I still have the book. Yeah, it's not a good adaptation of the book, but it's a pretty good John Carpenter movie. <laughs> it is, and there's very few that I'm not won't go to bat for, and that's certainly not one of them because that is a fun ass ride with great performances. It's a good uh, time. Killer soundtrack. Yeah, it's good stuff. And a killer is, car. Christina's good. <laughs> and a killer car. No, that's a great. Uh, the shitters can go uh, fuck themselves. That's a good. Uh, <laughs> That's a good movie. I like it. Yeah, you're right. It's not a good adaptation, but my God. Jeez, we, uh, we would sure be a lot less disappointed in life if we didn't go in, you know, guns a-blazing and, and hoping for... I think it's not even that we're looking to recreate the book. We're looking to recreate the experience yeah. and the joy yeah, yeah. that we had with the book. But I think... I know for myself, I can vouch for this. I used to get that... The two confused. Ooh. And uh, I'd be looking for, well, where's that part? Well, where that? Well, they, it's going to be a seven-hour movie. I know. Especially if you're doing just about any King book. Well, they would have had to make the Christine trilogy. <laughs> right? There you go. Exactly. <laughs> and it's kind of like, I remember uh, th- um, Thinner was always one of my favorite, you know, Stephen King slash Richard Bachman. Yeah, I've never read that, but I do like the movie. <laughs> do you really? I like that movie, yeah. Yeah. yeah um, it's nice and nice and dark and twisted. I read the book when it came out as Richard Bachman before he mm. got uh, exposed. And it's a really lean, little, nasty, uh, fun read. Like, yeah. it's a great, pulpy read. And then I had the reverse reaction. And then I saw, and again, this is where it pops up again. I saw the movie, and I thought, well, this isn't the book. Yeah. Uh, this isn't the book. And I, and I, and I don't mind... Um, thinner because I'm a huge, you know, Tom Holland uh, fan. Um, but it just, it wasn't, I love the book so much. And I went in with that. Again, I tried to turn it off and I couldn't turn it off because I love the book so much that I wanted that movie to ha- to give me that same experience. And it just didn't. So once again, as the faithful reader slash watcher, you know, I failed myself. I played myself on that one. Play yourself, fam. <laughs> All right. Speaking of another Stephen King, um, thanks to uh, Alex Miller's uh, really great article on Salem's Lot, I decided to finally give Toby Hooper's uh, miniseries a go. Uh, it was released in 1979, released in over two nights on, uh, I'm thinking ABC, maybe? Is it one of those? But, uh, oh boy, I love this movie. Uh, it quickly became one of my favorite um, vampire movies, just because the the atmosphere and the mood and James Mason is awesome in this, and I just love everything about it. It's a lot of fun. Uh, 
it really captures the feel of the book, which is that uh, small-town gossip will kill us all. And I just love that about this. Uh, it's about an author, yeah, big surprise, who goes back to his uh, hometown and finds out that it's been overrun with vampires because these two antique dealers are evil. And, uh, yeah, that's about it. And they're vampires. So, yeah, the supporting cast is great in this. Um, I can never pronounce this guy's name, but George DeZunda? I don't know, he was in The Deer Hunter, and uh, he was he was great in this. Uh, Fred Willard is awesome. He has a bit part in this. I, he was really nice seeing him pop up. Uh, I forget the actor's name, but Baron Harkonnen from Dune shows up to play the local police officer. That was cool. But yeah, I love this movie. It is drenched in mood. Uh, so much fog, so much creepiness. The score is fantastic. Uh, the vampire makeup is creepy as all get out. Uh, he's very much a more brutal and stronger looking version of like Nosferatu. Uh, love it. I love everything about this movie. Um, which led me to watch the remake from 2004 that was released on TNT starring Rob Lowe. No. Uh, this is a gigantic piece of shit um, that was a struggle to get through. It's a three-hour miniseries that took me three days to finish. <laughs> um, I would watch it in, like, 20-minute bursts. I remember when I first put it on, I took a nap, like, 20 minutes in, because I'm like, this is really boring. I'm sleepy now. Uh, not good. Not good at all. Um, go to go to YouTube and look up a compilation video of Donald Sutherland in this movie, see some high camp. Other than that, skip it and never watch it. It's god-awful. Um, have either of you seen any of the Salem's Lots? <laughs> I have not. Scott? I saw the original. Uh, god, I... My favorite thing about uh, doing podcasts is uh, instantly dating myself. <laughs> um, so I was uh, I was a kid when it was uh, broadcast, and I was uh, spending the spending a few days at a friend's place. My parents went out of town or something, and I begged my friend's mom if we could watch the the miniseries, and she relented, and we watched it. And that was a huge mistake because oh my god, it is filled with imagery that still to this day holds up that is so strong it's haunting the, uh, it, it is the 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 glick boys outside uh, oh the windows god yeah is 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 legendary it's um, creepy <laughs> it's super creepy and it's still you know that's it's that's we're talking almost 40 years ago and when people uh even people who haven't seen the miniseries They've at least seen that image. I they know that they know on, that one sequence. Yeah, they know that one sequence. But there's so much more. Like you mentioned, there's, um, you know, the Marston House itself. There's uh, Straker. There's um, oh, James uh, Mason's terrific in this movie. James Mason is absolutely. It's a wonderful. He's so much fun. <laughs> he's so much fun, and he. He has that dry uh, sensibility that just mm-hmm. plays to the material just wonderfully. Um, Jeffrey Lewis is uh, has a great uh, scene as a vampire uh, later yeah. on. That is uh, amazing. Bonnie David Bedelia Sol- is awesome. Bonnie Bedelia, David. I you know again I'm a '70s kid, so you know Starsky and Hutch was yeah uh, yeah yeah yeah. 
was huge. And uh, I always liked David Soule, um, and I think he's great as uh, uh, Ben Mears. The whole cat, little uh, Lance Matthews was a staple on 70s TV. Yeah. Uh, a staple. And uh, he's great in it. The whole cast is 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 wonderful. But and and for those people who like to um, you know shit on uh, Toby Hooper, and there's more than a few. And uh, you know, to my peeps, uh, Und- undeserved, Bromley, undeserved. Because to my peeps, you know, Patrick Bromley uh, from Corpse Club and and F this movie, um, my co-host, he's like the number one uh, Toby Hooper. Um, He's the president of the fan club. And, <laughs> he's got the badge uh, and everything. <laughs> he's got the badge and everything. And as I find, as the years go by, uh, I find more of an appreciation for uh, Hooper's uh, stuff. But this one, I always was never in doubt. From the time yeah. I saw it as a kid, I was instantly in love with it. And there is, and people should be warned, there is a truncated version that isn't the three hours. There's yeah, one. Yeah, it was released that, in European in Europe, theaters. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's it. Cuts out so much, and you yeah. don't think you don't think you need it. The stuff, and it's a lot of character stuff, and you don't think you need it until you see the full three hour uh, tapestry. Yeah, yeah, it's and great. You, you, yeah, you need the whole thing. Yeah, this movie. And I, is and terrific. I saw the I saw the remake, and I we were talking about this. <laughs> I saw it, and I remember literally nothing, not a exactly scene from it. I also remember almost nothing, and I watched it last week. <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, Marcelo, you should see it. Uh, Dolly, uh, Holly Gennaro's in it. <laughs> yeah, I have a lot of Stephen King to watch uh, <laughs> in my life. <clears throat> but yeah, I, I'll check out Salem's Lot. It's pretty terrific. That's one of the better ones. Yeah. Uh, it's from what I've seen of Toby Hooper. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. For sure. I'll do it. I promise. And stay tuned to Talk Film Society because I uh, I have an article on another Toby Hooper, Stephen King adaptation coming up. And uh, oh boy, do I love that movie. What? The, what? Mang- the Mangler? Oh yeah, that's right. Hell's Bells, Bedell. God, I can't wait to write about that. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, speaking of, uh, let's say... Uh, scares and scary things being in an office is scary, isn't it? It can Belco be. Belco experiments? <laughs> yeah, real quick, uh, tell me about this one. I mean, we've talked about it on the show before. Why don't I hear your thoughts? Scott. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I watched this. Uh, it was on VOD. I think I watched it last week or maybe two weeks ago. Um, the Belco experiment, of course, Greg McLean, who did the Wolf Creek uh, movies uh, and of uh, written by James uh, Gunn. And so I went into it with, you know, pretty high expectations. I actually quite like, I actually like Wolf Creek 2 better than I do uh, the first uh, Wolf Creek. I find it a little less uh, nihilistic, so I'm not big on, on nihilism in my horror. There's enough in real life. Um, thank you very much. So I try to keep it in small doses. So I went in with like really high um, expectations. And it's a, one of those movies that I enjoyed. Uh, I think there's a lot of good stuff in it. I think there's a lot of uh, great performances. Uh, There's some great uh, violence in it. I just find that it hits a plateau probably about halfway in that it doesn't uh, ascend from, which I found kind of um, confusing with the James Gunn because all of the movies that he's written, I find, are so well-structured 
and um, and especially I love his horror stuff. You know, I love uh, Slither, and I love. Um, what else am I thinking of here as far as horror goes? Why am I blanking? Oh my uh, God, uh, Dawn of the Dead. Oh uh, yes, that. Yeah. Well, Slither's Dawn awesome. Of the Dead. Slither, <laughs> Slither is fantastic, and and I thought uh, Dawn of the Dead was really um, well written as well. So I think I expected. I just went in with uh, different expectations than what I got. I think it's still a good movie. Mm-hmm. It's just I thought that combination of Greg McLean and with James Gunn would have... Uh, I was expecting something a little more elevated, I think, than what I than what it ended up with. I think that the office politics could have been explored um, deeper. It And it just kind of plateaued at, like I said, about halfway through for me. It just kind of plateaued. And I enjoyed it, but I was left a little bit uh, let down by it. Yeah, I saw this earlier this year, and uh, I went to like a Tuesday five dollar show, uh, eleven p.m. at night. Uh, crowd was kind of uh, raucous, and yeah, it it was a good time for what it was. Uh, I mean, yeah, I kind of, I'm kind of like you, Scott. Kind of expected a little bit more, considering the talent behind it. But no, I think it did the trick. It's just fine. There's some decent. Uh, splatter effects, uh, especially the way Michael Worker gets uh, dealt with. Um, but no, it, yeah, it, dealt uh, with. I, <laughs> I, I I do recommend it. It's I think it's a decent time for what it is. Again, I mean, I think it could have been a lot better, but yeah, I I enjoyed it because you saw it too, right, Matt? Yeah, I thought it was pretty okay. I mean, I liked the performances. I thought Tony Goldwyn was pretty menacing. Uh, I just didn't like the fact that. They got to the guns, or that there were guns. Oh yeah, yeah. Like wanted, I, I wanted more people to more grab, office, like, office supplies. More office supply kills would have been awesome. Like, there's a really great scene where a guy gets killed with like a tape dispenser, and That's then there's right. like a, then there's a paper cutter. I wanted to see like you know, slam that guy's head on the in the copier, you know, stuff like that, or like attack someone with uh, pens and paper clips or some shit. Like, I don't know, office supply kills would have been awesome. Like, shove a guy's hand in a paper shredder. Are you are you okay, Matt? <laughs> yeah, why? <laughs> you just want to see people violently killed. In an office supplies. setting. Well, yeah, because yeah, yeah. I used to play a video game called Five Minutes to Kill Yourself, where you were in a office building, and it's basically run around the office, use any office supplies you can to, you know, kill yourself. And you got points for doing that. And, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I still play it. It's on my phone. What kind of game is called... What's it called again? Five Minutes, Five to, minutes kill. to Kill Yourself? Yes. I'll, uh, I'll send you the link. It's a lot of fun to play. I'm going to I'm gonna ask again, Matt. Are you okay? <laughs> I'm totally okay? fine. I'm <laughs> totally just, fine. Everything's the great. The title is... Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, was, it, was put out, it was put out about four years ago by uh, Adult Swim. Uh, they make a bunch of, like, mobile games. Okay. And... Uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's really funny. Okay. Can't wait for Weeble to adapt it into a feature for, film. For some reason not, that not for, Nazi gold. For some reason that <laughs> for some reason that uh, office building has a shark tank in it, and you can jump into the shark tank. <laughs> well, of course it does. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's super fun. Oh boy! Oh. Uh, hey, that was a trip. <laughs> was it? <laughs> yeah. Speaking of trip, girls trip. Yeah. Hey, let's change the tone of this. Yes, really please. Quick. So yeah, I saw this. Uh, what was it last night? Uh, after dealing with 
uh, life and uh, politics. And the nightmare world we live in. <laughs> as shitty as usual. Um, I decided to go see Ghost Trip. Like at, uh, again, like a $5 Tuesday night show. Nice. And yeah, I had a lot of fun. It's a funny movie. It looks uh, like a blast. Believe the hype. Uh, it's it's what we need more of. Uh, you know, with four women, just like I think at. Uh, I mean, when was the last time Jada Pinkett Smith, you know, Queen Latifah, were like actually really great in something? It's been a while, I think. Um, and yeah, and <laughs> yeah, this this film utilizes them like perfectly. Uh, t- uh, Tiffany Haddish is like the breakout star. Like she is. Yeah, apparently she's uh, terrific. Yeah, she's amazing in it. Uh, there's a scene with a grapefruit, which I <laughs> I had heard about before, you know, watching it, and I didn't know exactly what it was. And then when it happened, I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> all right, <laughs> I see what it is. And yes, it uh, it is insane. Uh, but yeah, and uh, of course Regina Hall is like the the lead of the movie, and I think she carries it as like the you know straight woman trying to maneuver her way through like a potential you know breakup of her marriage and and trying to get like her her gang of you know w- women friends to the Essence Festival in uh, in New Orleans, which if you don't know, it's like it's just like a music and like pop culture fest catered to uh you know uh african americans so and i yeah, like regina hall yeah she, she's great in the role she is i like her so, in the uh few scary movies i've seen <laughs> she's pretty she's, she's pretty funny in those yeah she is so, she's out, she's very funny in those definitely a yeah. high point her and anna ferris if they weren't in it i don't know yeah how those would be they really carry him yeah she's more of like a straight uh the the, the straight man in this but she still has her funny moments though like, good, she's still really good, good, good in it and I like Jada yeah. Pinkett Smith I think she's terrific oh she is like they're all like the four leads are incredible together like it's like not since like you know Bridesmaids has like this sort of cast come together and like really like lifted the movie up yeah like, I, like I, that, I, I like that Smith is doing comedies again it seems because just last year she was in Bad Moms and now she's in this, so I like that she's being funny again. It's nice. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I I highly recommend this. I know it's like it's been like well, uh, more than a month s- since it's come out. Yeah, it's like it's like still like on the box office charts. It's still it's still making money and nice. that's exciting. Good. Like, that's the, good. The, the screening I saw it in was about half half full. Oh wow, that's pretty um, good. That's, yeah, yeah. For this far out, yeah, that's really good. And one thing that cracked me up was. Uh, thirty minutes into the movie, a family walked in. Uh, of course, them. it looked like they're carrying a baby in like. A, I saw your tweet. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, um, I think someone <laughs> brought a baby to this. <laughs> I think that was. I think there were at least two babies in the theater at one point. Jesus, but no, like this family came in thirty minutes in, uh, sat down, and then I'm not going to ruin the scene, but there's a scene in which. Uh, Regina Hall uh, slices a sausage yeah. and pretty much, and pretty much uh, makes it a euphemism for you know a man's penis, and it, it's funny. It goes on you for don't a while. Say. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then shortly after that scene ended, the family left. So I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that's wonderful. Uh, and I think that may have been after the grapefruit scene. <laughs> so so yeah. Um, Kids, I mean, I mean, parents, don't 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 take your kids to see a girls' trip. 
you know. Yeah, what's wrong with you? <laughs> and because man, it, it it is it is an R rated comedy. You know, I don't even like giving warnings to parents. You know what? <laughs> parent, parent your fucking kids. Yeah. You <laughs> should learn have to have anyone tell you to parent your kids. I took mine um, to see Superbad oh. when they were uh, younger. Okay. Um, and the looks I was getting from people. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I know what the movie is. Yeah. You can fucking read. Mind your own fucking business. What do you care? I'll explain everything to my kids. They weren't that young. Yeah. Like, go, you know what? Just go sit over there, munch your popcorn, and shut up, and let me and my kids enjoy, you know, penis drawings. Okay? Like, (laughs) they'll be okay. Don't worry about it. And they, you know, once they got out of jail, they were fine. It's all good. (laughs) Everything worked out. We all love each other Everything worked out. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I got. I, uh, I want to see this. It looks really funny. No, it's 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 uh, top notch, Matt. I mean, uh, it's. Uh, d- did you see Rough Night? Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, this is much better than Rough Night. Oh, okay, like, cool. I, uh, it definitely works a lot better emotionally. Like by the end, I was actually, you know, kind of shaken up. Maybe so. It's like a real crying. movie. Yeah, it's a real movie by the okay. end. Which Whereas, is you know, Rough, Rough Night is just a stupid comedy. This is like a real movie. Exactly. Like, okay. Rough Night, Rough Night ends with, like, a man in a diaper crashing his car through a wall. <laughs> and, Sorry, uh, I spit out my drink. Yes, it, yes, it totally <laughs> ends like that. It, that's 100% how it ends. They did The Angry no, Astronaut. It was great. <laughs> but, man, Girl's Trip ends with a speech by Regina Hall that just was like... I People in the theater were crying, and I was oh, Jesus. kind of close to it. So, yeah, it, uh, it's it's exceptional in that way. Uh, but yeah, but that's Girls Trip. Like, and go see it, folks, if you want a good laugh. Well, speaking of uh, a theme that we've been having these past few weeks, uh, one of us watched a Meryl Streep movie because that seems to be a she seems to be a topic of conversation for us lately. Uh, Scott, you watched Ricky and the Flash. I did. It yeah, was, uh, I wanted it just to see showed this up one. on it. Just showed up on uh, Netflix. Have you guys seen this? No, I want to though. I just it just showed up on on uh, Netflix. So yeah, Meryl Streep uh, was Jonathan Demme's last uh, narrative uh, feature yeah. uh, before he passed. I think the last thing he did was the Justin Timberlake um, live concert. But the last yes. narrative he made was Ricky and the Flash, uh, written by Diablo uh, Cody and co-starring uh, Meryl Streep's own daughter Mamie Gummer, hmm. who plays coincidentally her daughter in the movie. So. Ricky and the Flash is the name of Meryl Streep's uh, band. They're a bar band. They do cover songs. She's been doing it on the road, but mostly in this one little uh, dinky bar uh, forever. And her uh, co-bandmate is uh, and lover is played by uh, Rick Springfield. And, nice. Um, yeah. And so anyway, she finds out that her daughter, uh, her husband, has just left, and she gets a phone call from her ex-husband and the father of their child, uh, Kevin Klein, who says, can you come home? She's a mess. She's been depressed for days and she's not getting out of bed and therapy, blah, blah, blah. So uh, Meryl Streep flies out there uh, to try to reconnect with her daughter. And again, they have two other kids as well. So they have three kids total, but she's been out of the picture for years, for decades. And um, uh, Kevin Klein had remarried and, uh, they're all happy there and she's living her 
rock and roll lifestyle. So essentially, the story is about her trying to reconnect with uh, her past and her reluctance to do uh, so and the reluctance on behalf of her uh, children. And it sounds really heavy, but again, it's Diablo Cody, so it's, yeah. uh, you know, it's quite uh, light and snappy. Uh, the story, as I described it to you, that is the story. Uh, don't go in expecting a lot of surprises, but um, the dialogue is great. Um, the music, you know, uh, it's an actual, they put together an actual band. Of course, oh, cool. you, uh, Rick Springfield has his own uh, credentials. He plays lead guitar in the band and sings backup. Uh, Bernie Worrell uh, plays. Um, it's essentially uh, Keith Richards, uh, most of Keith Richards' old backup band from the Expensive, wine, expensive Winos. Uh, Bernie Worrell on keyboards and yeah, yeah. Uh, Rick Rojas on bass, who I think had played with Neil Young at one point as well, and I forget the drummer's name. But So it's a real actual band, and they perform live. And uh, you know they're a, they're a, you know they're your typical halfway decent bar band that isn't going uh, to get anywhere, which adds another layer of uh, of charm to it. But the performances, um, especially uh, Meryl's great, of course. That's it's kind of a given. That goes without uh, saying. Yeah, it goes without saying. You know, she plays a great this kind of spacey rundown. You know, she's forgotten how to be a mom until it kind of kicks in and. Yeah, and she has to be, you know, so it's it gets a little there is a touch of a cliche there in that it's the, you know, she learns to become a mom again and the kids learn to accept her for who she is. But again, that's the basic story structure. All the gems are in the little pieces of dialogue that work in the performances. Meryl's great. But Rick Springfield and this is what always gets me is when someone like I remember when this came out and everyone was saying. I can't believe how good Rick Springfield is in this. <laughs> and I'm like, well, you know, he was an actor, right? Like, <laughs> you, know he, while, you know, he does this. <laughs> he actually does this for like, while he was a big pop star, he was, I mean, it was on a soap opera, but still like it cut him some slack. Like, yeah, he knows what the fuck he's doing. And he's fantastic in it. But of course the big, um, revelation for me was, uh, was Mamie, uh, Gummer who is she's fantastic she's just as good oh she's terrific as her mom she's just as good as her mom and kevin klein of course is is great but he actually i thought he would have had maybe a bigger uh, role yeah. in it but he's always kind of he has does have some uh front and center scenes but he's kind of off to the side a bit and it really focuses on uh meryl's relationship with uh her daughter and with uh her boyfriend hmm. Especially, I was really pleasantly um, surprised by it because it's just by that title alone and and the plot description. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. But it, it was one of those where you throw it on, you're like, yeah, okay, no, I'm I'm right from the start. I'm like, no, I think I'm probably gonna, I think I'm probably gonna dig this one, and uh, I did cool. quite a beat. I would recommend it to everyone who likes this kind of movie, and you know who you are. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta check this out. It looked, it, I remember seeing the trailers for it when it was coming out. I was like, I gotta see that, and then it played around me for like a week or two. Yeah, I, uh, I can't believe I didn't see this in theaters. Yeah, to be honest. Yeah, I, I'm happy to know it's on Netflix now. So, I mean, I do like uh, Meryl Streep's daughter, Mamie Gummer, is terrific. I've liked her since I saw her in Francis Ha a few years ago as um, one of Francis's friends that they they kind of get into a tiff. But yeah, she's great. 
Um, I love Meryl Streep. I really like Kevin Klein. Uh, like you said, Rick Springfield, he's a good actor. Um, I remember seeing him recently in the second season of True Detective. Uh, he was really good in that. He played the slimy uh, plastic surgeon. I haven't seen season two of, of True um, Detective yet, but well, yeah, he plays a he plays a slimy plastic surgeon, and he's uh, he sells it. It's pretty good. <laughs> no, he's he's a good actor, and I wish it's just I just find it hilarious when people go, he's really good in this. It's like, well, well that was yeah. his day job. <laughs> He's an actor. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy how that works when you're an actor right? and then, oh, you're actually pretty good at it. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, everyone check that out. It's uh, If that's your bag, um, you know, upbeat uh, uh, Meryl Streep, um, you know, it's uh, it'll put a smile or two on your face. Nice. Speaking of nice, I watched The A-Team, uh, which... Uh, came out in 2010, I think, and it's directed by Joe Carnahan. It's based on the TV show. I'm going to be real quick with this one. Just going to say, this has more fun in it than most major franchises combined. Uh, it's one of the biggest, dumbest movies I've ever seen, and I love it for that. They fly a tank. Come on. <laughs> and that's all I'll say. The A-Team's awesome. <laughs> it's good. I loved it. I, I, I agree with you 100%. It's, a, it's so much fun. And it moves so fast, yeah. And it's so it leans into its ridiculousness yeah. as you should, because if you're going to fly a tank out of a plane, fly a fucking tank out of a plane. Yeah, they like, fly a tank in this movie. It's great. Don't don't half-ass it. No, you know, be, fly that tank. Damn it! It was it was a ridiculous show, uh, yeah. Which I absolutely adored as a kid. So let's make the movie if we have the budget for it. Let's Hell yeah. it, let's amp that up and let's make it as ridiculous uh, as we can. You know, no, I, I loved, I loved it, and I wish we had gotten further adventures of that. Yeah, that would have been awesome because that's a great cast, and I would have loved to see more of it. But whatever, it's fun. Joe Carnahan got to make the gray right after, which uh, is one of my favorites of all time. So that's cool. Charteau Copley. Yes, this was his follow up to uh, District Nine. It is a. It's. Um, it's, it's actually one of it's one of my favorite uh, Bradley Cooper uh, performances. Yeah, I like how it mixes like a heist movie with an action movie. No, no, it's it's um, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> it it is it's a lot of fun, and I like seeing um, Neeson, who was right in the middle of his you know action star yeah uh, renaissance, but this one is played uh, more for laughs. You know, and I like the lighter side of uh, Liam Neeson. I remember seeing a sketch or something he had done. Uh, he had done. I think it was on a Ricky. Was it a Ricky Gervais uh, show or something? Something Extras? with Stephen Merchant. Yes, and, okay. and he comes into audition for something. Huh? I think, or they wanted him for a part or something. And he came in, and he's just. He's absolutely terrifying, and it's, like, hilarious. I think it was from Extras, but I saw a clip of it, and it was absolutely hysterical, and I like when he plays against uh, type, and this is playing yeah, it's fun. the type of the type of roles that he was doing at the time where it's a little more uh, winky and lighthearted, and uh, I think it works really well. So, yeah, I mean, I have to agree with you guys. I had a good time with A-Team. Speaking of good time... This movie, good time. It's a movie. It's a movie. Yes, uh, I saw this last week. Special screening. 
they had a live Q&A uh, stream from New York with uh, Robert Pattinson, the star of the movie, and the rest of the cast and the director and the composer and uh, yeah, that was that was interesting. Now to, I have to ask you, uh, much like with Ingrid Goes West, what is this movie? <laughs> <laughs> so this is a movie much like Ingrid West. Ingrid Goes West. Uh, I hope you'll get to hear more about as it expands and you know gets. I think because I think right now it's. I think like it's it's also like Ingrid Goes West. It's like a limited release. It's expanding this week and next week. So this movie, it played at uh, the Cannes Film Festival. Ooh. Uh, got some praise there. Uh, like I said, Robert Pattinson is the star. He plays brother, a brother to a mentally challenged uh, man. Uh, so Pattinson is a dirtbag in this movie. Okay. Uh, it's set in New York. He he takes his brother. I mean, he looks like one of the pictures I've seen. Oh, from it, this movie. It, the, yeah, it doesn't serve him justice as to how much of a jerk he is actually in this movie. Uh, so he takes his brother to rob a a bank. They try to get away, but the brother gets captured. The mentally challenged brother, and Robert Pattinson has, you know, about. Uh, 24 hours to get him out of prison uh, mm. before something bad happens because he knows because like of course he's mentally challenged uh, he's not going to yeah. survive in, in prison so he has a limited amount of time to get the bail money and get him out and that's basically the movie I don't want to reveal much more because there are some twists and turns in there but yeah it is shot in a way that is unnerving like it is pretty much entirely made up of close-ups like extreme close-ups oh, uh, and yeah uh, it's disorienting at times it, it, it does kind of ease off there towards the end but man like in the beginning it's just close-up after close-up after close-up um, and it's supposed to be unsettling it, it, it kind of it. Uh, I mean, again, it takes it takes place in New York. You could feel like the dirt and grime of a particular part of New York in this. Uh, and Robert Pattinson sells it. He, he really. It's a performance that I've. Uh, I, I've known he's. I've known he was. He's been a good actor. I mean, he's, he's a good, good actor, actor for a yeah. while. Yeah, he's a good actor. Yeah, he, uh, Cosmopolis, Map to the Stars. That's what I was going to say. He originally. I became a fan after seeing Cosmopolis. I was like, you know what, this guy's yeah. got chops. I'm going to follow him now. But he really embodies this really... <laughs> again, he is a... Uh, one, thing that really, one thing that really sold me with this movie is just how well-developed his character is. Because he's just as trashy as like the as like New York around him. Yeah. Uh, he's a manipulative. He's a liar. Uh, he really does things that are really disgusting in this movie. No fun. <laughs> Um, it's really hard to, you know, sympathize, empathize with him. I think that's the point. Like you're with him through this ride, and you're like, oh, like what is he going to do next? Like he, yeah. like it's, it, it's almost, it's like a acid drenched after hours. Like it takes place over an entire night, and he just keeps getting into deeper and deeper shit. <laughs> uh, and it's sometimes it's like, <laughs> sometimes it takes turns that are just way like. <laughs> You're too like, much. oh, like, yeah, way too much, I think. But I think what counteracts it is just how it's, like, realistically shot. And I also say the music really fits well in 
in this whole thing. Uh, I think we've talked about this before, Matt, where you know the the the, the synth you know scores may have you know uh, that we've seen we've heard too many of them over the last few years, but I think here it works especially well. Like, I really love this score. It's good. I've heard it. <laughs> oh, it's it's really good. It popped up on uh, my uh, Apple Music, and I was they were like, "Hey, check out the soundtrack to Good Time." And I'm like, "Okay," and I liked it. Good music. Yeah, I don't know how to pronounce the composer's name. It's like one oh one oh tricks point never. I hope what? That's, yeah, exactly. That's the composer. But no, it's, sure. it's a really it's a fantastic score. But yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> again like the one thing that really hurt it for me was just how crazy those twists and turns are. Mm-hmm. But it does end on a th- I'll just I call it like a perfect note. Like rarely have I seen a movie just end the way it does. Um, and I'm like, wow, that's it's it's powerful, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, that's a good time. It's a good uh, time. <laughs> ex- expect to hear more about it. <laughs> As it releases, as it, as it expands, yeah, and maybe Pattinson here gets some awards. Love, uh, maybe I don't know. I think there's a good chance because yeah, he, like if anything, like he again, he really sells it here. <laughs> he becomes this shitty person, and I totally bought it. I did. Nice. So yeah, so that's good time. Uh, I, it, it's another A twenty four movie, and they're they do good on- work. Yeah, they're on fire this year. Yeah, uh, it come it comes at night. What else? A ghost story. So I've loved pretty much everything they've released this year. This is another one. This is nice. Good. Yeah, I got to check this out when it you know actually plays somewhere. Hopefully, it expands. And and, and you being a um, you you're up north. You're 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 in New Jersey, Matt. So I am. Yes. Can, I think you'd appreciate this a little bit more than. Uh, everybody else in the country, because it's uh, it's uh, you know that world more than I guess most people, right? Sure. <laughs> There's some trashy people up there. Is what I'm trying to say. Well, we're not all garbage. <laughs> I know you're not garbage. I'm just saying around you. You know, what am I trying to say? I'm surrounded by human refuse. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you may you, you may watch it and you go, hey, I know, I know a guy just like that. Yeah, I know. I know just. Like, I know someone who, who's just like Robert Pattinson. Yeah, that I'll looks like that thing. guy who robbed me a couple years ago. That's cool. <laughs> the, the, like I'll say this one. Uh, one more thing: the the writer directors they they chose actors to to be in this movie. Who some of them have never acted before, and some of them are real are true like like uh, criminals turned actors. Oh, fun! And I think it works into it, it works in the film's benefit. It becomes much more grounded uh, especially oh god uh, let me see oh, I'm going to get this guy's name right I think Buddy Duress I think he, he's an actor who like I watched the movie and I'm like oh he plays a character named Ray and I'm like oh like this guy's actually really damn good and then in the Q&A afterwards I come to find out that he acted maybe in like one or two movies and he spent you know a hmm. long stretch in prison well, of course like, oh, he did wow. so he 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 was that character through and through. Oh wow! Uh, it really works um, in the movie's benefit. So yeah, it's a good time. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> ah. ah. All right. Uh, speaking of not such a good time, I finally got around to seeing 2010, the sequel to 2001. And I'll just say that if hey, if you want to see John Lithgow and Bob Balaban fly around space for a little bit and talk to computers, this one's for you. But if not, just stick with the original because you're really not missing much. 
<laughs> That's all you want to say about it? Uh, right. It's it's a decent Peter Hyams movie. I mean, it's definitely the worst of his that I've seen. Um, if you want a movie with, by Peter Hyams that has to do with astronauts, watch Capricorn One instead. Because at least with that, uh, you get a pretty good cast and you get Karen Black. So go for that. Oh, I love Capricorn One. I remember Capricorn and One is fantastic. Oh, Capricorn One's great. I remember seeing 2010. Uh, without seeing 2001 and just seeing it as, oh, wow. <laughs> as what it was first. Yeah. And uh, I remember in, enjoy, enjoying it at the time, but again, it's one of those, I remember literally nothing about it, but Capricorn 1, I've seen a few times, and I remember yeah, it's great. everything about that. That is just a wonderful uh, action thriller. That's James Brolin is one of my... Yeah, he's great in it. Oh, him and his perm are like one of my all-time favorite <laughs> uh, favorite things. I love him. Yeah, Capricorn One is great. Uh, Elliot Gould, James Brolin, Sam Waterston. It's a good time. Nice. I remember. Uh, what? Well, I haven't seen Capricorn One. Oh, it's uh, so much fun. But I, I, you know the remember, story of it, though, right? Yeah, I do. I remember watching 2010 and saying, "Oh, this is not bad. It's got Don Lisko in it. It's got. I don't know. It's more of like." It's weird. It's more of like a, a Cold War thriller than it is a science fiction movie. Yeah, I just remember watching it. Well, and I was baffled because, <laughs> comparatively, the original has much better visual effects. And I don't know how that's possible. Probably because Kubrick signed a deal with the devil. But hey, <laughs> uh, the effects in 2001 do not hold up. Whereas the ones in 2001 are still terrific. Eh. It's very weird. Yeah, it's weird. But I thought it was okay. So everyone Again. watch Capricorn One. <laughs> That's yeah, it's basically what watch I'm saying Capricorn is one. watch Capricorn One because it's fucking awesome. Yeah, there you go. Uh, hey, but uh, Matt, is, uh, you saw more movies with numbers in the title, right? <laughs> <laughs> I did. It's time for a... Uh, John Cusack is a professional writer uh, double feature where I watched uh, 1408 uh, for the first time. Uh, Carl and I are going through all our movies in order, and we finally finished the numbers uh, last night. Uh, and we are now uh, in the letter A. But yeah, we watched 1408. I've been wanting to see it for a while. I have a couple friends who really love this movie. And now I join the people who really love this movie. Uh, it's a super creepy ghost story. And a lot of it works. Uh, very little does not work in this movie. It is uh, John Cusack plays a writer. It's a Stephen King story. Uh, so that's no surprise that he's playing an author. Uh, so he goes to a haunted, uh, he's, he's an author who checks out haunted hotels and debunks them. So he goes to the Dolphin Hotel in New York and he wants to rent out room 1408. Hotel manager Sandra Jackson is adamant that he doesn't because most people don't survive 10 minutes in that room. And well, he gets the room anyway and then everything goes to shit. And then his whole life goes to shit. And that's 1408. I don't want to spoil anything because this movie is super creepy. And I really, really loved it. Um, have either of you seen this one? I have. It doesn't... You may have mentioned it, but I kind of zoned out because it's 1408. Um, it's Sam Jackson's in it, right? Yeah, he's the hotel manager. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember watching it and I thought, okay. I, I remember liking it. I rented it on DVD when it came out. But it's hard for me to remember many details about it. So, yeah, I, I uh, and and it's not one that I want to rewatch, which is which is odd. Well, so. it's, it gets really depressing, so I don't blame you. Yeah. So 
it's I think it's decent from what I remember. Yeah. I'll say that. Yeah. What about you, Scott? Oh, I quite enjoyed it. I saw it in the theater when it uh, uh, came out. And oh, okay. I quite enjoyed it uh, in the theater, and I've watched it a couple times uh, since at home. Yeah, I'm a I'm a big fan of it. I like. I I'm a big uh, John Cusack fan from way way back, and I think it's one of his uh, uh, better, um, you know, uh, latter day roles. For sure, especially compared to what we've seen, uh, some of the stuff that he's been in uh, lately. It's very well, I thought it was very well written. I thought it was, I really enjoyed the uh, the visual uh, look of it. I enjoyed yeah, it the visual really effects. Yeah, it looks really cool, yeah. It does. And, and, it's, and, I, and I give props to any movie that uses uh, one location, essentially. Very well, yeah. Really, and can really work around the limitations of that and, and use some imagination to keep us interested for that um, stretch of time. We've all spent time in hotel rooms and we know what it's like to stare at a wall. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and and I think they end up doing the way that it's done is uh, really smart and clever. And yeah, it does touch on some, you know, uh, it hits some somber moments uh, for sure, but I think the way it ends up is ultimately... Uh, hopeful, I guess, probably depending on which version yeah. um, you see as well. Um, but yeah, no, I'm a I'm a I'm a big fan of fourteen uh, year old, especially for uh, like I said, later day uh, Cusack. It definitely uh, works for me. There we go. Yeah, it's it's a pretty creepy movie. And then I saw a movie that's not creepy at all, but a super bunch of fun. I watched 2012 by Roland Emmerich. Uh, that stars John Cusack yet again as an author. Uh, trying to save his family from the literal end of the world. And, uh, yeah, it's a big old dumb disaster movie that really harkens back to the 70s disaster films like Towering Inferno and Poseidon Adventure, where you have a huge cast of characters and so many side stories that it kind of bogs it down. It's kind of like Earthquake in that regard, uh, where you have like so many little side characters <laughs> coming in and out, and you're just like, who are you again? Oh, yeah, you. <laughs> But yeah, that's 2012. Um, the special effects hold up uh, for, you know, computer effects. Usually they're pretty dated about six months after the movie comes out, but they hold up for this. Uh, it's a lot of fun. You get to see a lot of people go splat and get crushed by things and fall into the earth. And you get to see Woody Harrelson be a crazy hippie guy, you know, really playing against type there, uh, <laughs> get destroyed by a giant volcano and that's super cool you get to see Hawaii turn into a lava mound and then you get to hang out with a bunch of Russian people and you crash land in the Arctic and I don't know this movie's goofy as shit but I had so much fun with it just so much fun I love this thing (laughs) I'm a huge fan of it too for the same reasons that you were saying Matt and what I love about it compared to say something like um, for example Dante's Peak and and Volcano both of them those movies they want to be uh, these disaster movies except they're played very much of their time very much of the action thrillers of their time whereas and they're they're played straight and they're played straight whereas 2012 and I always, I almost always say twenty one twelve, and I'm picturing uh, Getty <laughs> Lee standing on a mountaintop in Tibet. Nice, <laughs> right? Um, uh, but 
it plays back to the ones you were speaking of, the Towering Inferno, which is insanely good for anyone who yeah, that's a disaster movie and hasn't seen the Towering Inferno. It goes beyond. Uh, just a normal disaster movie. It's like a great. It's a fantastic fucking movie. That's it's a legit great movie. It's my favorite it disaster movie. It's so well it done. It's the best. It's the best by far. And Earthquake is its goofy. Oh, it's um, silly as hell. You know, special needs cousin that is still <laughs> so entertaining. Yeah. And and 2012 takes the best elements of those because both those movies, if you stand back and look at them, of course they're ridiculous. Yeah. You know, especially uh, the resolution that they have to come up with in the Towering Inferno oh, you yeah. know, is just so wonderful. And, and you God, know, and, and, Volcano, and Volcano and Dante's Peak, they missed, they missed the plot on those completely. And yeah. they're, they're stuck in that time. But 2012 embraces all the ridiculous. I mean, they build a Of course it does. Arc. They build yeah, an they, arc. they they build arcs to like you know arcs. hey let, let's put all the animals on here and all the, like the smart people what and the rich people and the, yeah and well, you can buy a ticket which is yeah. absolutely a hundred percent realistic yeah that's the realistic part about it is if you got the coin billion you're euro surviving that's right and you get on you're gonna get on right but yeah it's, it's just movies so ridiculous damn uh, fun. And it was also really cool I'll say this about the cast to see Oliver Platt playing a straight up villain. Uh, he doesn't get to do that much. Usually he just gets to play, like, the bumbling friend or, like, the advisor. Uh, but he's a pretty great bad guy, and I wish he would do that more. If I'm being completely honest, I would have rather seen Oliver Platt in the John Cusack role. Just because That would have been wonderful. See, right? I want to see Oliver Platt star in every movie. I I'd love to see have. him, yeah, Oliver Platt action star. Imagine that. Ugh. Why not? If Adrian Brody can be an action star... <laughs> yeah, Oliver Platt can do it, too, damn it. Then Oliver Platt can do it, too. Uh, but yeah, Marcel, have you seen this ridiculous movie? <laughs> yeah, I like it. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a good, pretty good. Yeah, it's goofy. I like it. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, yeah, you guys covered it. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Roland Emmerich is good at, you know, destroying cities and landmarks, and uh, he gets to destroy a whole bunch in this one. That third act, when the inevitable happens and our heroes are in danger, I forget, like, they're split off, and like, one's about to get crushed by, like, a bridge or something. And then Yes, yes. Then, like, um, somebody's drowning, right? And, like, the water yeah. is rising up. Like, that trope has been used many, many times, times, right? Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, there's a movie I saw. A movie I saw at Fantastic Fest. It was like Swedish. It was like a disaster movie. I forget what it was. Force Majeure. No, that's not it. It's like a serious disaster movie. Huh. Uh, the Wave. I'm not gonna something like that. That's very recent, though. I'm not huh. even gonna bother looking it up. But it has that ex- exact same scene of done, it does. like beat for beat, yeah. and I could not take it seriously because I does- had just I had just rewatched 2012, <sighs> like. A few months ago, but and does, I was like, "But does that movie have Danny Glover as the president? Because <laughs> no. he's an awesome president." I'm, I'm saying that movie. I think. I think it was. I think it was called The Wave. I think huh. you. I think you're right. Yeah. Um, but no, that's not. That's not a good movie. It's not fun. I. I, I prefer my disaster movies uh, to be fun. Yes, uh, exactly. Or if they're not fun, at least let them be good or yeah. more original. But yeah, I just looked it up. Yeah, it's The Wave. 
Sorry, wave lovers. I I don't. <laughs> All I, three I'm of not, them. I'm not a big fan of that movie. Um, apparently, people like really like that movie kind of coming out of like festivals, and I think it hit Netflix like last year or something. I'm just I'm not a big fan of it. I'd rather have 2012. So yeah, 2012 was goofy fun. That's my two cents on disaster movies and the wave. Uh, hey, I think we've reached the end of the show. We have. Oh boy, yeah, I think we have. That was fun. That was fun. Uh, Scott, it was a good time. Thank you for coming on. My pleasure. Yeah. Uh, before we go, let's do plugs. Hey, Scott, where can the people listening find you online? They can find me on Twitter at Phantasm Two, and of course. My home base is uh, DailyDead.com, where I have two columns, a weekly column called Drive and Dust-Offs, where I look at movies of, from the era of 19, the mid-50s, basically, to the late 80s, and I have a bi-weekly column called It Came from the Tube, where I look at uh, TV horror from all generations as well. I'm a co-host on Corpse Club, a weekly podcast over on uh, Daily Dead, and you can find us on... Uh, Stitcher, Gawker, iTunes, uh, Tinder, um, <laughs> all the platforms uh, that goodness of podcasting is on. We are there. There you go. Awesome. Uh, Matt, hey, what about you? Really quick, I wanted to apologize to Scott because even though your Twitter handle is Phantasm2, I still have not seen Phantasm2. What? I've only seen the first one, but I've seen it like 15 times. Listen, I wanted to use Phantasm, <laughs> and someone already had it. So of course I had to they go did. with Phantasm 2. But and everyone comes up to me, isn't Fan- oh, so Phantasm 2 is your favorite movie? And I go, no, <laughs> but it's the only handle I could have, and it's part of the series, so it's still beloved. But no, goddammit, it, it's not my favorite Phantasm movie. You could have easily had like Phantasm, you know, Ravenger. I wasn't. If all if all the other Phantasms ahead. had been taken, I wasn't thinking that far ahead. And actually, Gigi Bannister had to unfollow me on Twitter, actually, oh. because I have Phantasm in my handle. Oh, okay. And, she, and she's legally not uh, allowed to follow anyone that isn't that uses the name that, but isn't associated with. Um, the actual uh, entertainment unit, as it were. But I still Weird. have her on on Facebook, and she's a good uh, Facebook friend. So, huh. oh, oh, oh. there you go. We have that at least. There we go. Uh, well, back hey, to Matt. my plugs. <laughs> as usual, you can find me on Twitter at the Real Matt C, and you can also find me on Letterboxd under the same name to make sure I'm not lying about what movies I've seen. And you can find me over at uh, Talk Film Society, where I'm the editor-at-large, uh, doing a lot of fun stuff. Um, check out all the, the cool columns we have for you, and uh, check out everything else that I do online. <laughs> it's, it's fun. Uh, as for me, hey, follow me on Twitter at Marcelo J. Pico, uh, TalkFilmSociety.com. I'm the editor-in-chief there, where I do... Editor-in-chief duties. Uh, duties. We're coming back around to the to the poop jokes. Full circle. And what else? Hey, podcast. By this point, Soderbergh 2828 is over. Oh. Uh, go back and listen to all 28 episodes. I'm sure we'll do more because Soderbergh at this point is not going to stop. No, he, he has, no he's done. 
He's going to just he keep going a, forever. He has a, he has at least three more projects in the pipeline, maybe two more this year. So me and me and Mike, my co-host on Silverberg twenty eight twenty eight, we'll be back. So, um, yeah, I was going to say one more thing about that, but no, I'm going to keep that close to the vest. Listen to episode twenty eight of Silverberg twenty eight twenty eight. Please do. And uh, you'll hear some some developments of what's going on over there concerning that. <laughs> Keep it close to the vest. Uh, and yeah, listen to Carl on the Street. Listen to Hey What You Watching. Uh, That's our show that you're listening to now. Yeah, listen to this. You just right plugged now. our show on our show. <laughs> <laughs> you are a monster. I, I plug this show on Solberg twenty eight twenty eight. So I'm I'm going back and forth. But thanks. Yeah, this this episode eighty. I mean, Matt, you and I will do this for at least 20 more episodes. We'll do 100 at least, right? And then we'll call it quits. So um, keep on listening, folks. Uh, and then look for my obituary the next week. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll talk about ending at 100. So just keep that in mind, Matt and the listeners. So uh, Okay. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, Scott, again, thanks for coming on. Gentlemen, it was an absolute uh, pleasure, uh, poo talk included. <laughs> I had fun. This was good. Poo it talk was. Thank included. You. Uh, can I, can we rename the episode nope. title, Matt? Nope. Okay. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, we'll end on our signature catchphrase. So long, and thanks for all the fish. Thanks for listening, folks, and keep on pooping. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit... Sure. the gloom on the